Welcome back, coffee lovers. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the second episode of my state series and the Alabama state. And this is part two of the J.B. Beasley and Tracy Howlett case. So if you're here, if you, okay, if you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to part one, I, 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 you have to stop. You have to put press pause and you have to go and listen to part one because you're going to, you're just going to be lost because I stopped part one at a very crucial moment in the case. So basically you won't really understand or get what's going on. Okay. So before I get into all the details of the case, um, once again, I am still solo. Nikki is not here because this series is mine. And no, she's just, she's, <laughs> this is just a series that I'm doing. So she is not a part of the series, but we will be continuing our weekly episodes together. Um, and we should be posting them Monday nights. So, but in the meantime, I have iced coffee, guys. Um, I, I actually love iced coffee, but there's just a time and a place for it, which is not the morning time, unless it's like ridiculously hot. But most mornings, I enjoy my hot coffee, my half, my my French press is what I how I like to make my coffee. But I worked this morning, and I have a plethora of options when it comes to coffee at work. So um, I am drinking cold brew with heavy cream, white mocha, and a shot of blonde espresso. Because, listen, I have a problem, okay? And it's a caffeine addiction. And No, I just needed a little get-me-up um, because today was a rough day at work. So, that's what I'm drinking. How are you guys? I hope you are doing so well in life. I hope you're doing your absolute best. And I hope that your coffee is always delicious. That is something that I wish upon everybody. Even my enemies, because like bad coffee, rough life. But so enough jibber jabber, enough talking. I need to get into this case because this case has legitimately taken over my brain for the past few days that I have really, like I've done research on it from the past few weeks, but the past two days I have just been doing nonstop recording, more research and more research. So I just need to tell you guys, okay? So please keep listening and we will get part two of the Alabama State series done and over with. So please keep on listening. All right, guys. So let's let's just jump in, okay? Because there's a lot. Like, there's a lot. So where we left off at part one was at Johnny William Bertine. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Oh gosh. Where to start with Bertine? So at the time of the murder, he was 28 years old. He was married to a woman named Mary, and they had a two-year-old son named Alan. Now, everybody who knew Johnny, they were so adamant the fact that he could never do it, that he didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it, he couldn't do it. 
They claim that he was a very kind man, a nice, kind-hearted, good man, and he could never he would never hurt another child because he has a child of his own, and that he could just never commit such a heinous crime. Now I'm not saying that he wasn't a nice man and all that jazz but at the same time like everybody says that about everybody like i mean how many times have we have you watched you know watched something or you know listened to a true crime incident a case and you know the fan friends of family are so adamant that no this person couldn't do it couldn't do it and there's 100 they did it you know so not saying that's true but at the same time you, you never know now the grand jury cleared Johnny of all charges due to lack of evidence. About a month after he was arrested and charged with the murders of JB and Tracy, they compared the DNA from the semen that was found on JB's body and clothes to Baratine. And unfortunately, it wasn't a match. So I wonder, I wonder why he well, I, like, why would you admit to all of it? I just don't get it. Now, he claimed that until the day he died, he admitted to lying about his participation with the murderers because he wanted to claim the $25,000 reward money. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, first off, if I, like, I could not, I could just, I could just feel the frustration to the police the family to everybody the public everybody like bro why did you go to such lengths first off like when you realized that it wasn't gonna go your way why'd you continue with i don't i just don't get it i just don't get it but since then johnny's sister has come out and confirmed that he did have a mental disability she said that he never completed the eighth grade and he also took special ed classes in school. So now was this just a, he didn't think this through and then just got caught up in his lies and he just kept one lie after another after another or did he, or, or did he just really didn't understand the severity of what he was saying and you know, what would happen? Because, you know, to say that, you know, you know who did it, that you, that you did it, I'm sorry, that you know who did it, you, well, you don't, oh, gosh, I'm sorry, I'm fumbling over this just so much, that he, you know, he just picked random, a random guy, tattoo man, but then it was his neighbor, and then blah, 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 like, it just doesn't make sense, I don't know, I just don't get it, so, it, it, you know what, I don't know if you've ever, well, if you haven't, you live under a rock if you haven't watched the Netflix original series Making a Murder. Because to me, the the nephew in that, it sounds really, really similar to that. Because the investigators that interviewed Baratine claim that it was it was for four straight hours that he was exhausted, he was tired, they wouldn't let him go to the bathroom. And and he changed his story six times within these four hours. So, you know. It really makes you wonder if they just, the wrong person admitted to it and they just kind of, you know, just, they got excited and did they coerce him into it? We, we don't know. He, Johnny Baratine claimed that that is what happened. He said that he was willing to say whatever the investigators wanted because he just wanted to go home. That just breaks my heart. I don't know. I just, I just like can't imagine going through all of that just to be like, 
JK actually I didn't want to do it I didn't do it and this is all this is a, we all go home this is you know scene I, I just don't get it now since his release he has actually passed away from stomach cancer but he proclaimed his innocent till the day he died so the case kinda went cold for almost 20 years now in that 20 years the police did not stop you know i think a lot of times with cold cases you the tips just you know fizzle out and you know leads there's just no leads and and you just kind of set in stone you know until something magical comes up but to me there's dna so and not even just random dna there's semen dna now the thing is is with all of the confessions that Bertine gave it never added up that was just the magical thing like he said that the tattoo man killed him in the trunk now evidence has shown that i will get into it that they were killed in the trunk but not at that location so there's that number one he never once talked about sexual assault or any means so he didn't even know major details now you could say he was holding back but if he was trying to admit and i mean if he's if you're still gonna go with the whole story of the tattoo man got out put them in the trunk shot them there's semen now listen i understand sometimes it doesn't take that long for men no shade by any means no shade but at the same time you know i feel like that would take a few minutes if at at minimum so you know, that's just, there's parts of the stories that didn't match up. So to me, I, the police, like, what were you doing? What, you know, you know the evidence. And when he wasn't even, his stories, stories, multiple stories, weren't adding up, why would you even charge him? Now, I'm not saying that the police charged him knowing he didn't do it. Um, I don't think any police officer truly ever wants to accuse and charge the, an innocent man or woman because we believe in equality here <laughs> no but you know i don't think that, that 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 is ever the case but at the same time why did they go through it that i just i just have questions now now well you know i have questions but the, the police officer the police officers say at the time that they didn't want if this if he truly was a killer didn't want to let him go so they booked him but he was cleared and so we just kind of there's just i don't know there's so many things so in his stories you know remember multiple times he kept talking about the black truck did it ever exist how did this but at the same time now mind you he left there was 90 minutes that was unanswered because when he came home he told his wife that he was hit by a car remember okay that can happen in 90 minutes but to the police, his story changed multiple times. So what what did you do within 90 minutes, right? So like I said, the case kind of went cold to a sense. Police never stopped. In that time, they conducted over 500 interviews. And on top of those 500 interviews, they tested more than 70 potential suspects compare the dna compared to the dna that they found on jb beasley now uh, i'm assuming that and also with the palm print so i'm gonna kind of back up because i want to bring up more evidence that i didn't really get into in the part in part one now i just said a little bit ago that police officers 
it, police, the Ozark police and the FBI, because the FBI did get involved a little bit after, and they don't, they absolutely believe that the crime was actually committed in a different location. They said they have evidence of that. Now, I've read in a few articles that said that they actually did find the place, and I'm going to assume that it's based off of the gun, the one of the, kel, the shell casings. Because remember, both girls were shot. Only one shell casing was found, and that was in the trunk with the girls. So, so there's that. And on top of it, there was evidence that the leak, like the blood pool in the trunk, there's like, you know how there's, um, I forget, I don't know, I forget, I keep wanting to use the wrong word, but the, it's like a drainage, um, in case there's build, like water buildup in your trunk, there's like drippage, right? Well, it was actually, the way that the, the evidence was that the blood drippage, I'm just going to call it drippage because I don't know the word that I want to use, actually proved that the car moved like was moving like the blood splatter the car was moving now if you remember to kind of go back to part one i mentioned that the car was almost out of gas so okay so we kind of kind of got to go back remember the girls left at around 9 30 and the party was supposed to be, it was it was only a few miles away, but they got lost in the meantime and it ended up as Ozark, which is 20 miles away. Now I highly doubt, no, like, listen, I didn't do my research into the, a 93 Mazda, so I don't know the exact, how much uh, that gas tank actually held, but two hours, because the girls were saw at 11.30, so two hours is not enough time for them to go through an entire tank of gas. Now, from 11.30, that's the last time the girls were seen until Bear Time got home, which is at 1. So that's another hour and a half. So that's three and a half hours of driving, if that's the case, if he did do it and he drove around, shot the girls, and then brought them back to Herring Avenue. So, because at the end of the day, we know that the evidence, that the car had to move. Okay, because that, that, the evidence is evidence, that's science, and you can't disprove that unless there's some, you know, odd miracle. So, you know, so Johnny, I don't know, so that, that just, that just irks me. Now, at the same time, Herring Avenue, like, the placement of the car is, is a very, it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal because it makes you wonder. Why did they go back? Because Herring Avenue was literally less than a mile from where the girls were last seen at the small, big, little convenience store. So they left to go to 231, the highway, 231. That is the direction that they went. So in that meantime, however, this person who ever committed this heinous crime coerced them into pulling over and picking them up or followed them. But Herring Avenue is not on the way to 231 highway. So... Why did they park there? Now, Johnny Baratine lived two blocks away from them, from Herring Avenue. So, was it enough, you know, did they go back there because then he could walk home or, you know, so and so forth? But as far as I know, he did come home with his vehicle, so... 
I don't know, but I'm still weirded out about the whole, like I still have questions about being hit by the, by, you know, a black truck or the black truck that he kept seeing because like, did, did you, your person get hit by like physically or like your car, where's your damage to the car, so and so forth. We all know it's a lie, but either way, I still have questions. I want to know. Now, so, but Harry Avenue is very, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just so weird. It has to be a drop off part and that has to be. There has to be a rhyme and reason why it was there. Now, yes, it was secluded because that that street was kind of it was just used as a like a it was just like a back street to get through the town. So, and it was I mean obviously it was the perfect place to place it. Now, so now they say that robbery was completely completely thrown out the window because both the girls' purses was found. In, in the car so and I believe there was jewelry on the girls and that was never taken as well so but there was semen on them so uh, there is a show called haunted now the case was aired on it and this is if okay if you believe in mediums and psychics and all that jazz me personally I do but I I don't know if I believe in every single one because I have read so many cases about psychics and mediums and they just sometimes a majority of the time they really mess up an investigation and lead to just asinine situations and a waste of manpower and getting families hopes up and such but on this show The Haunted two psychics didn't know anything about the crime, so they say. Didn't know anything in crime, and basically they came to the same conclusion. And I don't want to completely say what you know happened on it because I don't want to say it, it. Definitely didn't influence me, but it definitely makes sense. Um, in that, both mediums claim that the girls were sexually assaulted but not in that manner which we know due to the actual evidence because there was no penetration or anything but there was semen found on them so something had to happen you know he a man ejaculated on jb did he just get overly excited could he not do it did he just get was it a it had to be a sexual thrill you know now was that the full intention of it i don't know that's this is what we don't we truly don't know 20 years, 20 years go past, and finally, they got a hit on the DNA. Coley McCraney has been charged and indicted with one count of rape and five counts of capital murder of the murders of J.B. Beasley and Tracy Howlett. Now, investigators say and this happened this year like in march and then he was indicted in june june 10th to be exact so he was charged with the murders and an indictment means that a grand jury saw the evidence you know lawyers they went they did the thing and basically a grand jury 12 out of 18 jurors said no yeah something's here something's up we want him here we're taking it to trial now mccraney and his lawyer are saying absolutely not just because you have dna does not mean that he did it okay the problem i have with that is that it's semen so like i don't 
don't know. Semen just like doesn't. No, okay. So he, basically, he's saying that this is just so that it just can't happen, and that he's innocent. Blah 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 blah. But okay, so how can somebody collect your semen and put it on dead bodies? I mean, obviously it's not how, but I mean, what are we in a spy movie? Now, if you say it'd be a cigarette butt or even even fingerprints, those can be planted, and obviously semen can be planted. But I just feel like that's such a such a stretch. So how they how they got this because remember i said that they tested 70 potential suspects and compared their dna to the dna that they have on this case so basically what they did so i don't know if you i would hope that you are knowledgeable in the true crimeness that we now know of people are now police are now inputting and comparing dna from cases to genealogy so, like, 23andMe, Ancestry, and all this jizz. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that was uh, a completely... That pun was just complete. That was not... That was an accident. Made me laugh. But... <laughs> so, <laughs> all that jazz. Now, they... So what they do, so when you give your DNA to these companies, you, you essentially write off your like you, you can do what you want to it now um basically companies are helping police and letting them have capability you know with letting them see these databases and comparing these which i i don't know a part of me is weeded out by it but i also believe that the government listens to everything i say siri you know so I, to me, I think that it's a good thing if it's going to solve any murders because I don't plan on committing any murders. And if, you know, some of my relatives are, hey, the bad people put them away. But that's how they found them. And when they put this DNA from this case and compared it to the databases, they didn't, they thought that they were just going to find a relative, a distant, distant relative. Come to find out, Coley McCraney was a 100% match. So, now this happened this update is so soon it was only last month that this happened so we we haven't yet come we haven't obviously the trial hasn't started and as far as i know i don't know when the trial is starting so i am very very interested into seeing how his lawyers like how this case and how they're going to conduct this is going to work because if you telling me that he was framed i'm i'm really interested to see if jurors are actually going to believe that nonsense so you know it's i don't know now if you we could the, the huge question and it could be quite debatable is not like so i listen to i watch and listen to part of her podcast but her name's danielle hallen and she's a YouTuber and she does true crime. And she did on her podcast that she does with another YouTuber, they were talking about a different situation. And she made a very good point. And it's that she said that 95% of people believe that if they have DNA, that they're when that person is 100% guilty. Now, I kind of feel like I am and I'm not a part of that, that 95% because I feel like it's different, you know, it's just to each is its own and to each case and to each piece of evidence because to me, semen is just something that most people aren't going to, like, 
Cause then that would mean like, who's this Coley guy? You know, like what does McCraney do? Who's his enemies that, you know, we can go into so many who would do this, so on and so forth. Now, J.B. Beasley's dad, he does not think that McCraney is guilty. He believes that either a police officer was involved and committed the crime or a person of the drug cartel did. Now, in no way do I mean any disrespect towards any person or any, any people that I'm talking about this, but the drug cartel, I feel like, is a stretch because drug cartel, people, hitmen, everything, they're a lot more violent and... And I mean that in not a dis like not saying that the murders weren't violent, because they definitely weren't, and they were execution style. Get that, yes. But at the same time, he wouldn't leave he he wouldn't like a hitman knows better to leave his DNA. You know, that's like that's a that's a career. Being a hitman, that's a career. Now the police officer theory. This is something that I find very interesting and is a possibility. Because if you remember to part one, I said that JB's driver's license was found on the dashboard. And what do you do, you know, when you're being pulled over, you put your window down. And remember, driver's side window was pulled down a few inches. The problem with that is what I don't understand, because I, I, I've watched, I've watched, I've listened to podcasts on this case, and I've watched so many videos, I've read a lot of articles. Now remember, they say that the car was driven. So if you're driving, don't you think things move around on the dashboard? So to me, honestly, when I see this, when I hear this evidence, and I am thinking about how could this happen, and trying to put myself in the shoes of the killer... Was he, did he, was he looking to find a little gift to take home with him? And was JB, maybe, and not saying that it wasn't a police officer, but did he use, you know, was it all a ruse and he really wasn't a police officer, so that's why her ID was out originally, and then maybe he got scared or spooked. Now, mind you, the keys were never found, and also, JB's family mainly her sister is very adamant now there was a baseball cap that she said that was always in the car always in the car and was definitely in the car at that time that has not been found so did the killer take that as a trophy and potentially maybe going to take the id because it had to happen after the car was already placed on Hearing Avenue. Because I don't know about you, I'm not. I'm, I'm a good driver, and I take turns slowly, but things still move around. And I feel like if you just killed somebody and it's late at night, you're probably going to, you know, be driving like a maniac. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to look suspicious. I don't know. But I feel like that is a very. That's that's a theory. You know. I don't, but okay, so the thing is, is with McCraney, McCraney also, he's from Ozark, he lived in Ozark at the time, and still lived there the whole 20 years, he lived very close to Herring Avenue, now I'm not, because we don't know much about McCraney, and where he says he was, that has all not been released, 
now in all honesty i just don't know like i hope like this really makes me when i hear things like this of people being asked what they did 20 years ago like I don't know. I don't know what I was doing 20 years ago at a random date because truly if I, if the day wasn't, you know, truly like a big deal to me, I wouldn't have no idea what I was doing. So now I feel like I should like write down every night what I was doing just in case, you know, I get called in for an investigation. But so we don't know what exactly what he, he said he was doing at the time. And, but remember they drove around and was parked in Herring Avenue. Is that because they, the murderer's car was parked by? Which, remember, was very close to the small little convenience store, as well as to Barentine's house, and as well to McCraney's house. So did he walk home? You know, th- all we know is that he has been indicted, and they are saying that the evidence is there, and he is the person who did it. So... That is where I'm going to leave you guys. I will keep you updated because I have put alerts on my computer and to tell me when there are updates in this case and I will give you a play-by-play because this case has just just consumed me and you know I, I truly didn't realize how big this case was when I started doing the research but I hope I did it justice and I hope that you guys are just as frustrated and interested as I am and so many other people out there because JB and Tracy deserve justice. The family deserves justice and whoever committed this crime needs to be put behind bars. that was that was a rough one uh truly um i think it's just obviously hopefully we're gonna find out and if mccraney is found guilty in the court of law without a reasonable doubt hopefully he he will be put away because somebody needs somebody needs to the rightful man needs to so I don't know. I just, I truly have a lot of questions still. Obviously, you just listen to all of them. But, you know, I just really hope. And like I said, I will get back to you. I will give you up-to-date, up-to-dates. Wow. It's been a long day, people. Um, I'll give you updates on the case whenever they come out. Now, if you haven't checked it out, you need to go and check out our website. It's called brewingcrime.com. That is where you can actually see what we look like, get to know us a little bit. If you're new to the podcast, you can get to, like, you can see what brewing crime is all about, why we call it brewing crime, and so on and so forth. And also, they, I post a, a small detail of every case that we do. So, and you get to see pictures, and I will, like, I, be po- I will be posting the updates on there as well. So please go on there, check us out. You can subscribe, put your email down so you can know and get updated on exactly when I post my series uh, and when me and Nikki post of our regular podcasts and so forth. And it can we can give you updates on new series. Also, you yourself can give us case suggestions. That's right, people. We want to hear from you. 
if you, not even just on my, the state series that I'm doing now, but even a series that you want Nikki to say, or, you know, to, to do research on, if you like her voice or my voice, whatever it may be, please, we want to hear from you. Give us, we want to, we want to involve you in this. At the same time, you need, if you are on Apple Podcast, if, even if you're on Spotify, if you're, but if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. We want to hear from you. Put us down. Say what you love. Say what you want us to change. If you have any comments on the cases that we do, please put them down there. We want to hear from you. So thank you so very much for listening and congratulations for listening a whole, what, almost 30 minutes to my voice. Listen, you did it to yourself, okay? I'm not going to apologize. Um, but please stay tuned. I should be, I, I haven't come down with a schedule yet on when exactly I'm going to be posting the state series, but I do believe I'm going to be posting one a week on top of maybe two a week because there's a lot of states. And um, I want to put up as much content as I can for you guys because I know for me, I listen to so many podcasts that... I, I binge listen, you know, it's just like another form of Netflix, you know, but except the podcast is, you know, podcasts don't ask me if I'm, if I want to continue watching, you know, that's a respect of Netflix, but so I, I will get on to you. I will, once I get kind of my feel for it, cause this was my first case. So, um, stay tuned. Me and Nikki will be recording and probably publishing and posting our podcast tomorrow and I'm point on that podcast and that is going to be at this case that I will be doing tomorrow. I have been itching to do. It's such a big one. It's also a big one. Okay. Anyways, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. I hope, I hope your day is good. I hope your life is good and I hope your coffee is always good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And please stay tuned for the next episode. Bye guys. Mm -hmm.